Welcome to the Rise Network podcast show, a podcast dedicated to help you reach your dream lifestyle through investing in real estate. We're going to be sitting down with new, intermediate, and experienced investors to talk all about real estate and how it has changed their lives. If you're looking to scale your portfolio or even just get into real estate investing, you're in the right place. Make sure to tune in. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Rise Real Estate Investing Podcast with your host, Austin Ye. And Mayu, what's going on, everybody? Austin, how are you doing, man? If I said my last name, you can't not say your last name. So you got to. Mayu Tavaraja? My full name, Mayu Ration Tavaraja? (laughs) Oh, shit. He pulled it out. He pulled it out. Things are going well, man. Things are going well. It's been a busy day today, running around all of the banks for our private lender. We have a couple of closings in the pipeline, things that like we're either going to fix and flip or things that we're going to wholesale, right? So we closed on a couple of deals and we're just going to relist it on the MLS. So yeah, I mean, you, you know how it is, last minute paperwork, insurance, so on and so forth. So it gets crazy around this time. It just... It never settles down. And I, I don't even know if you can outsource these things. I've always kind of done it myself. It'd have to be like a full-time employee almost, right? Because like, it's not something that you necessarily would give to a VA or like anything like that. So, yeah, you're not going to trust them with that. Yeah, exactly. So so I guess on that side, you guys are now bringing in a VA, right? Or sorry, a full-time employee? We're trying to, and we're going to take our time with the hiring process, right? So we're doing a base salary on top of that commission, and it's a lead intake manager. So someone to pre-qualify both investors So on the disposition side, right? So they get an idea of which if investors are serious or not about buying a property and also pre-qualifying on the seller side. So we got a lot of calls and I would say eight out of 10 of them are not motivated sellers. And we need someone to filter those calls out because it can get exhausting, especially as you send out more and more mailers, you get more and more calls and a lot of them are not serious sellers. And yeah. that that's going to be irritating, right? So, so you guys don't like using a VA for that initial pre-screening? So. No, there's, there's cultural differences between... We, we found when we hire a VA cross-country, there are cultural differences. And I mean, yeah, it, it is going to take a while to do some training. However, we don't want to slow ourselves down as well. We want to hit the ground running. So it's just much easier to hire someone who is local, right? Can, can communicate quite well. And really, it's just probably a week, two, three weeks of training max, and then they're good to go. Yeah, that's sick, man. Yeah. What do you What have you been up to? Have you ended up selling your? Uh, you had a couple of things for sale, right? Your Belleville property has that closed yet, and your and your condo. Yeah, closing in like a week and a half. I think we're good to go on that one. Everything seems to be like moving forward. Which one's that? The Belleville or condo? The Belleville one. Everything's moving forward. Okay. The condo we did sell. We actually went the opposite way. We didn't put an offer date on. We just listed it at like five ninety nine. And we were gunning for like as close as possible to 650, knowing that, you know, pre-COVID, I think it would have sold at like maybe 610 in the middle of COVID, like it appraised at 580. Pre-COVID as in February, right? Like yeah, the yeah. condo market's on fire, January, February. <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't remember exactly when I looked at it pre-COVID, but I remember yeah. thinking, oh, like this thing's going to be worth 610. And then when I refinanced it in August of 2020, it was at 580. So it was like a 30, maybe I'd argue even like 40 grand haircut. So now it's just like, you know what, anything above like 610, I'm like going to be happy with, because that to me is still like a market increase. Mm. And so we, we accepted a conditional offer on it at 640. So I'm just really just moving it. Cause I was like, you know what, like it could continue to go up, but it could also go down and it could just stay stagnant and be a waste of my time. Right. So I'd rather just move it at this point. It's pretty crazy to think that Young and Eglinton is selling above all time highs some particular condos, some condos uh, sell are trading above all time highs, especially since no one is still there in downtown yeah. our young and egg. <laughs> yeah, I think we were definitely one of the highest one plus dens that sold in the building and the neighboring building, though. Right. So I think yeah. we, given like I'm also a pretty low floor, I was kind of like, okay, like I'll take it. Right. So, and, um, and you also did small touch ups or you did that axe yeah. and wall, like things like that cater to people's emotions yeah it's crazy like we had three offers i think because we never put an offer date we were just like you know what like we'll just handle everyone like one by one as they come mm-hmm. and then the first offer came in at like 600 and then we were like okay like no <laughs> and <then the> second <laughs> offer came in at 610 and we we're like okay hey, this is clearly a bad idea so we just reverted back and we put in the offer date and like <laughs> okay, we got in the offer what we wanted right but it still never like went until offer date like someone just gave us a preemptive and i was like cool like let's just wrap it up right so yeah yeah um, so preemptives do work for anyone that's wondering 
you guys got to get out. Yeah, there. because yeah, exactly. And you're an experienced investor as well. And you were just fed up. I was like, yeah, let me get rid of this. Let me get my money out and then make a good profit on it and just move on. Yeah. I don't exactly. know if you're going to reinvest it because I, I don't know if we have faith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, ideally on offer date. So, so I guess from a seller's perspective, ideally on offer date, I would have been at 650. But if someone gives me a preemptive that's very close to 650, but not quite there, like at 640, even 635, like I'd still kind of be like, why not take the surefire, like guaranteed thing rather than like trying to gamble it out for an extra 10 to 15 K. Right. So mm-hmm. that just goes out to everyone. Like you don't need to wait until market, like until offer date, in my opinion, I almost like, I just don't bother with offer date. Right. How much square feet was your place again? I think like it's under 600. I think it was per price per square foot. What? Price per square foot is like 1150 or something like that. And what floor was it? I'm just trying to think what is mine worth then. That's fucked. Six, six floor, bro. <laughs> that's fucked up oh my god no no and they don't have a fourth floor because most condos yeah, yeah. cater to the yeah. asian community oh my god yeah what the <laughs> fuck is my condo worth i want to throw mine on the market now okay <laughs> i think we did enough rambling and we're just gonna jump straight into today's podcast actually before we do uh, a quick housekeeping rules make sure to like subscribe, do whatever you can to support this podcast, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I don't think we say that enough and and people forget. We tend to forget to mention it, so I don't blame you guys, Uh, but it does support the podcast. It helps us grow our viewership because right now we're stagnant and we're trying to break that that, that stagnant growth and we can only do that with the help of our audience. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're stagnant at a good amount of listeners that, you know, we're definitely proud of the numbers, but I, I, you know, we always say like and comment as if we're like on YouTube because we watch way too many YouTube videos, I think. But I think all anyone can do is really just download our leave, review. And leave yeah. comments. And I think, uh, sorry, yeah, reviews. That's what it is. I think that helps us increase our reach and exposure as well. Exactly. And we're going to jump into our guest. It's a continuation of last week's episode with Frank Taylor. Last week, we talked more about the market and you guys loved it. This time around, we're going to dig down into Frank's journey, uh, uh, some different real estate strategies that he does, such as the smart home buildings. Should be an interesting episode. A lot of new strategies. You guys are going to enjoy this one. Make sure to tune in. Hello, everyone. Back at it again with Mr. Frank Taylor. Frank, I'm going to ask you, how are you? Even though I just asked you that an hour ago. How are (laughs) you? (laughs) I'm doing great. I'm fantastic, guys. This is so much fun. It's a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying this. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, so hopefully everyone's listened to episode one uh, where Fra- Frank gave part one, actually not episode one, where Frank gave a quick introduction to his own backstory. We talked a lot about the market cycles that are, that could happen, different sources to just keep an eye on and like monitor for, for various fluctuations that could be coming down the road. And really just like how you would invest in a downward cycle and like, you know, the type of indicators that are for both the recovery and the downturn, right? So that was a great episode. Really what we want to talk to Frank about today is, is kind of the different projects he's got going on and a little bit about also kind of the, the multifamily investing side, right? So, so Frank, what are the projects that you have going on? Maybe we just start with that. Sure. So I started a consulting firm, Frank Taylor Consulting. And basically my business model is to provide service to individual investors. And usually they come to me with issues or, or problems. I handle files for law firms where they have clients that are looking for a third-party opinion. And I also do expert court testimonial when it's required. But a big part of my business model right now is, believe it or not, looking at the new future, right? What, what do we need to look at and start focusing on in order to succeed in investment real estate after COVID's over? So one of the models that, that I am actively involved in is I was recently retained by a very large institutional multi-residential asset firm in Toronto. And I had expressed to them that I felt that the new work at home model is going to be something that is going to be the biggest change in in work for everyone globally and that major corporations are going to set a new standard. So whether that means you're going in for two days or three days a week to head office and then you're working from home. So what does that mean as a landlord? What that means is that you need to start thinking about your rental space to make a work at home situation, not just uh, the ability to have it, but to make it a good environment, right? So 
one of one of these firms has asked me to look at all their floor plans. And one of the things that I do is I also design because of my background, I've, you know, I, I've learned self-taught how to do really cool design concepts. And I work with uh, Millwork. So we do custom desks and, and office centers and so on and so forth. And I guess one of the projects that I think Austin wants to talk about was one that I did in Burlington, which is the Burlington Boathouse. It is a really cool uh, 1938 Art Deco uh, building right on the lake in Burlington. It's famous in Burlington. People in the surrounding area of Oakville and, and Hamilton know about it. And this is a really cool, funky building, all made out of concrete, believe it or not. Art Deco design is a, is a concrete building. And the owner uh, wanted to take this property to a full restoration and, and then also to, then convert it to a fully furnished executive rental. So if people want to see it, they can look at the BurlingtonBoathouse.ca and they'll be able to see what it looks like. It's really, really cool. So we basically started a complete redesign, highest and best use. And, and then I had uh, shared with the owner that I felt this would be a great opportunity to convert the building to smart building technology. And, and I, what I would say to anybody is that when you are looking at properties, start incorporating smart building technology into your rentals. And, and so what does that mean? Well, that means that just on a simple way, you can start offering, say, high-speed internet within the unit, and then you purchase a hub. And that hub then can operate smart technologies through the apartment that can control the door lock system remotely. That gives a landlord also a history of activity on how often a, a, a property is being used. It's not, it's, not, it's not going against privacy, but it gives you an idea of activity when you have a multiple unit building. I'm talking about you know more than one unit. You can provide obviously smart television technology so that that way they can have the television, they can use systems like we're using right now, Zoom for their meetings, et cetera, and so forth. So in that, I incorporated workspace. Each unit has its own area for an executive to work out of. And I designed it so that the printers are hidden in cabinets and they had a great workspace, nice and bright, but it, it's absolutely critical that people start thinking now, you know, not just about a cool kitchen design, but how can they incorporate that kitchen design to be a functional workspace as an example, or in bedroom space, you know, is there additional area that they could set up and build like an office area? But this is mill rate stuff. You don't wanna go buy a desk from you know an office it doesn't it's just not going to look good but if you do go to the boathouse you'll see the different work areas that i designed and taking space that would otherwise not really have been functional before and it's been utilized anyway i would say that that would be a focus that you guys should be looking at anyone should be looking at the one institutional investor i just designed three smart building office floor plans for them. So each of their building, their plan is that each of their building will then also have an area as an amenity. So you, before you had gyms or you had like a, like a, a you know, like a ping pong room or a pool room. Now, you, now we're offering smart business centers. And I felt that this is the future and they loved it. And so I designed three business centers for them, all smart technology, so the tenants can get access to the office. I designed all the furniture to provide for sit down and stand up. Stand up desks are a big thing now where people want to stand up when they're, they're working. And they absolutely love the concept. And then from that Further, I'm also looking at individual units and how we can also incorporate a nice, comfortable workspace for people. So that's kind of, that's the road that we're going down. And although it sounds kind of crazy, smart technologies are phenomenal. You, got, you, got, you, you have your smart smoke detectors. And if you have the smart stoves, as soon as the smoke detector goes off, the, the stove will disconnect. One of, the, one of the biggest costs that a landlord has is insurance. And insurance rates are going to do nothing but go up and up and up 
and up. And so, and the reason is just because of global warming. And, and the reason I have a little bit more insight in this is that I have, my ex-wife was an insurance broker had an, a professional liability insurance brokerage firm. And, and so several of my friends were very involved in the insurance industry. And so insurance companies reinsure themselves, right? They have, you know, they have a myriad, everyone has a piece of the pie. So when an event occurs in California, like the fires that are going on, some, or in Australia, or a big event occurs, a tsunami occurs, when you have catastrophic costs, 9-11, all of those costs are passed down to all of us in our insurance rates. So you've got to start looking at ways to be able to decrease your insurance premium. And how do you do that? By building smart building technology, by having a smart smoke detector. If you don't, if you have an existing stove, you don't, you don't need to buy a smart stove, but there are apparatuses that you can purchase now that plug into the the stove and then they plug into the stove outlet. And the minute that a smoke detector goes off, they'll shut the stove off automatically because the majority of fires that occur in rental properties are kitchen fires. Mm -hmm. So that'll save you money, right? So you've got to start building a business model that's about the future. And millennials, right? Or younger, what are you guys? You guys are... We're millennials. <laughs> are you? Are you millennials? Yeah. yeah. Okay. My kids are all in their early 20s. And technically, I'm a millennial. I Millennial started when I, I supposedly, it shocked me. I, I would have thought I was a baby boomer, but it ended up that was just when millennials started. I, Anyway, you, just made you know, every, everybody's tech savvy, right? Yeah. right? And so imagine if you, uh, you the thermostats, so the thermostats can, can be trolled saves you money. So you're going to work, you know, you're going to work so you can shut everything down. And then before you go home, you can crank everything up. So it's nice and cozy when you get home, right? And it saves a lot of money. What else is there? There's just, my gosh, there's so many different features that come with smart building technologies now that, that can streamline and save you money. And this is more so for multi-residential buildings than for say an individual condo. But I would still I would still offer internet, high speed internet, and I'd offer a hub so that they could take advantage of smart technologies if you're going to want to make your rental more desirable than others. Another thing that we're doing now is we're starting to look at a lot of apartments don't come with blinds, and that's an added cost. So now you're going to want to um, look at, uh, I've got some, you know, great contacts I developed, but, you know, you get some beautiful pull down blinds that are commercial grade. And it's a cost that your tenants don't have to incur makes your property now more attractive than the property around the corner. So those are the out of the box type of things that you've got to start looking at today, security. So, so back to the boathouse. So the boathouse is a lady that came into some money and she wanted to build something that she could have for her retirement, but also a building she could control from anywhere in the world if she was traveling. So this property literally from every aspect, from security on the exterior, security in the lobby areas, all the doors are electronically controlled through smart building technology so that if she has an agent that's showing a unit, they can have remote access. She could provide that to them. And then she literally remotely can turn all the lights on in, in the house. Sound systems. Uh, we had everything done through Sono sound system. So it was done so that we had sound inside. And then this property had seven patios of various sizes. So we did outside sound systems, inside sound systems. We did a camera and voice activated system in the utility area so that if there were any, any work that needed to be done on the infrastructure, and if she wasn't there, she could remotely allow a service technician in, watch them go through the building, give them access remotely themselves to get into that room, and then she could talk to them one-on-one -on -one about whatever issue might be uh, going on in the building, get it repaired, and so on and so forth. Sounds crazy, but it's, it was phenomenal.
So, so for anyone that doesn't know, the Burlington Boathouse, it's a triplex short-term rental. Is that, is that correct? It's an executive, it's a legal triplex that is probably the only one in the country, Art Deco, and the units vary in size from 1,200 square feet to 2,700 square feet. And we have in total on that property, something in the area of over 4,000 square feet of patio space, all in wow. different areas. Wow. <laughs> very, 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 very cool property. Very cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the website for it right now. And like the, the pictures are, are gorgeous, gorgeous. gorgeous. If yeah. anyone wants to like, just Google it, Burlington Boathouse is a website that'll like show you everything that, that you guys have done to the property. So I, I think what, you know, a couple of things you said that that stood out to me, because I had also heard on the news about this, like work from home phenomenon and that like new condo builders are bringing out, you know, they used to have like, spaces. A, a, yeah, co-working spaces, yeah. like gym, yeah. pool, like that's all great. But now they also bring out co-working spaces, which to that's me, the number one amenity for these con- new condos. Yeah, right. Co-working Come on. Spaces, yeah. What Frank is that's saying. That's the future. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It shows you the direction that the future is going in. So smart home technology, I think is also great. I think, you know, it's, it's been around now for like four to five years, but I think the cost of implementing the smart home technology is continuing to decrease to the point where now it's also becoming a norm or an expectation that a new build will have some form of like smart home technology, right? So I think that that's also great to see that people are getting ahead of it. And it's a very unique way for us to, I guess, from like a refinance perspective, you know, to be able to tell the appraiser, hey, like we did all these things from a smart technology perspective and the cost of it is really going down. So we as like renovators, we know that we can implement like a Nest thermostat and like smart lights and like all these things for a pretty like small cost. But to be able to call it a a smart home to the appraiser would actually help us stand out quite a bit as well, right? So really- It adds value. Yeah, we're just copying what what the giants are doing in the industry and we're able to do it at a smaller scale, right? (laughs) I want to ask a question about that to dig deeper on the smart homes. First thing is my, you mentioned cost, right? So what's that cost look like? And two, what constitutes a smart home and what, what things do you need for a smart home? Like, is it just, is it just appliances? Is it just the Nest system? Like to what extent would you recommend someone to make their house, quote unquote, a smart house? What is a smart house and what does it cost to implement that? Okay. So uh, let's, let's, well, we'll just, we'll stick with the boathouse. So the boathouse, because it was a multiple uh, unit building, it allowed me to apply for commercial grade internet speed. So the speed in which I was getting is greater than you would get in any other property that's not commercial. And I got commercial rates. So it got, it ended up being cheaper with more volume of speed. And then basically what you do is you, let's just think about this, maybe even for your building, you've got an eight unit building. So where do you begin? You begin basically looking at where your utilities come in and you'll start with your hub coming into the building. And then from there, you're going to provide. Now what I did, because I rebuilt the buildings, I ran high volume high capacity lines running through into every unit. So I would, I not only ran, I ran it so the TVs could plug in. I was able to, cause you get your ethernet cords. So there's different volumes of speed. I think six is now the highest volume with the most data that can be sent. So I basically did so the television, the stereos, all the music could be plugged in to get the highest level of speed. You can then factor in, again, the door systems. The door systems are very important. So imagine now you've got a security camera in your lobby of your building. You're able then to monitor who's coming in and out of your building, which is important as a landlord. Because if you've got like five great tenants or four great tenants, but two problematic tenants, there might be information that might come from those video recordings that could help you get rid of those tenants if the need if need be. I have a client of mine that did phenomenal in Hamilton, bought a ton of apartment buildings and really set a different standard. And he utilized security cameras and was very successful when it came to the landlord and tenant board because it basically recorded illegal activities that were going on, which are that's a game changer, right? When you redo a building, if you're going to redo it, then you can also have your the furnaces are now offered with smart technology. Boiler systems are now offered with smart technology. Pretty well anything that's new has got a smart technology uh, ability. And you can literally decrease your, your lighting cost because of lighting now. 
So, I mean, I, I'll give you an example. Uh, Union Lighting in Toronto. Have you guys ever been there before? No. no. Okay, well, go. Because if you've got rental properties, you're looking for lighting. Uh, deal with Steve Sharp, fantastic individual. He is the general manager of the commercial lighting for, for Union Lighting. But it's, it's like a Leon's Furniture Lighting Store. It's huge. But you can get now all LED lighting, right? High energy lighting that reduces your hydro costs significantly. I always go with a, a very bright, high lumens light in a bathroom. You'll find that if you go to the Royal Connaught or any of the nice hotels, the lighting they have in the bathrooms is different significantly than they have in the hotels because it's, it's, it gives a brighter light. Women love it for when they do their makeup and so on and so forth. And then a warm lumen lighting for the rest of the property. But, but just changing out all of your bulbs to high, high efficiency LED lighting, that's going to save you a ton of money, right? If you're looking at putting blinds, you can have energy, energy re- resistant that holds the energy and, and uh, reflects the energy outside so that you don't lose your air conditioning or your heating if the blinds are pulled down. It doesn't cost a lot. That's just, it's kind of almost a standard given today. I, I was able to take, we had three years history of utility bills on the Burlington Boathouse before we bought it. And that's the other thing too. If you're going to buy an investment property, um, more than one unit, you want to get at least three to five years history of what it's cost to operate that property. Always request that. But we were able to take the overall utility costs that were almost at 11000 annually and got it less to $4,000, believe it or not, through the energy savings. Now, because I was rebuilding it, I re-insulated everything, right? So I was able to save money there. But significant costs, and you'll find that when you have these systems in place, your insurance rates will drop. So when you're, you're, if you've got security, and if you've got smart technologies, like I said, with the smoke detectors and the stoves, you will start getting savings, but it doesn't cost much. So the, the basic cost to take a unit and make it smart, I don't know, less than a thousand, less than a thousand. Wow. That's pretty good. Right. That's right. Not- Pick your <laughs> hub. Google's got a hub. Everybody's got kind of their hub. But if you're a Google person, you get the Google hub and then you can get your smart smoke detectors, door systems, and, and there's new technologies that are coming out all the time. So it's not that costly. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I highly recommend that people start looking at because your competitors will be, right? Mm-hmm. You want to be one step ahead of everybody. For sure. So is there like a, a standard, like a, a designation or something that, that deems a property to be smart home enabled? Or is it kind of just like, I put in like a Nest thermostat, I now have a smart home. <laughs> so to actually get a smart, smart home classification, Everything, like I said, you build an infrastructure, and in this case, I did everything with CAT 6. CAT 5 was the standard lines, and I did everything with CAT 6. And so you basically, everything, it, it fun- your HVAC system, your independent heating systems, air conditioning, you know, your doors, your security, you know, a smart building is a building that is, that is self-operational, that you literally, like the Burlington Boathouse, can be completely operated, every door access, anywhere, anything about the building can be accessed remotely from anywhere in the world. So that's a smart building. But if you even just get a hub and provide high-speed internet to your tenant, you can now advertise it as a, you know, smart building, you know, has smart building functionalities. And then of course they can just plug their television and, and utilize it. It doesn't cost a lot. So, but, but smart building to get a smart building uh, designation for a building, it means the whole building's operational system literally from beginning to end is, can be remotely controlled. Gotcha. So that's really for like new builds then. Like if you're just doing some small no. upgrades, it doesn't make really, no, when you no. said everything, it doesn't like, it's hard to take an existing property without gutting it to make it completely smart. Right. 
No, no, you can start actually small. So, I mean, if you guys wanted to work your way with your eight unit building, you can start with putting the hub into the units. And then if you ran, if you got a commercial, I would insist that you get a commercial internet speed into your eight unit building as an example. And then you're gonna have a primary hub in your utility room. And that hub will control your front door lock systems into the lobby, utility room, laundry room, That'll be your main brain for, you know, the hallway lighting, everything, all of that. And then your individual units can have a hub located for the tenants to utilize. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't, you don't, you can actually do it the way the technology has, has matured. You can, you can take an existing building and, and convert it into a smart building. You don't have to go to the extent that I have where I ran cat six, line, cat six lines everywhere. So that's, uh, that's just at another higher level. But if you're rebuilding, then that's something you may want to consider, but you can take existing and, and make it into a smart, a smart unit very easily and cost-effectively. Awesome. Do you want to touch on that Burlington Boathouse a little bit more? So the client came up to you, ran across quite a bit of money, and then they acquired that property. What was that property before? And what was the acquisition price? What was the rentals and what is it worth now? Just so we have an idea of the figures. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was really cool. So it had been originally built as a primary residence on the main two floors. And then there was a legal unit in the basement. And it was owned by a young couple who had fallen in love with the property years and years ago, and they wanted, they had a dream to restore it, but the cost to restore was just cost prohibitive. And so it was listed for a million, I think it was a million five or a million six. My client had cash. So I said, let's, let's go big or go home. So we went in with a a half million dollar deposit, quick closing, because we knew they needed that. And I uh, got it for a million one. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's then, right by the so, waterfront too, right? It's right, right yeah. on the water. Yeah. Right that's on amazing. the water mm-hmm. and, and right downtown in old Burlington. So you can walk and, and, and go to the park or go downtown and so on and so forth. But this building was really run down. Like it, it needed a full and complete restoration. So being a uh, contractor, having the experience, I decided that I would, project managed the entire project. It took us almost a year from beginning to end. And the total cost of the full restoration to include all the furniture, all the sound systems. I mean, it's like a hotel. There's nothing. You just bring your bag. Everything is there. And it was just under 600,000. Now probably would have cost close to a million if I wasn't involved. And I'm a great negotiator when it comes to you know, getting contracts. And I like to, once I develop a relationship with somebody, I really believe in developing long-term relationships. So I'll go out of my way to recommend anybody that I deal with, whether I've got additional work or if another individual needs them, I'll go out of my way to recommend anybody that I think is fantastic. So I, I all of a sudden become their greatest salesperson and one hand washes the other. So you've always got to be able to take care of your team and always be reciprocal, you know, always try your best to help out those who help you. And in the end, you'll sometimes get great benefits on pricing and service, right? Mm-hmm. So 600,000. So we had a million one. So we're at a, a million seven. And when it was completed, it was appraised immediately within that year for three million four. Wow. And that. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's a nice job, right? <laughs> so for million equity left, geez. <laughs> so so she she immediately had a it was a million seven, so she had a million five in equity built within a year. Wow, that's pretty wow. crazy. And, and, and that property. Revenue? Oh, sorry, what was that? Oh, there. Yeah, and then uh, that property today. So that was five years ago. Their property today is worth well over five million dollars today. Well <laughs> so over multi-millionaire well over. off of one property. <laughs> yeah, and and a great income. So the rental incomes are phenomenal. So um what because it was a boathouse was quite famous. We did the apartments and themes. So we called the the main the main floor unit captain's quarters, and we called the basement unit the galley, and the upper unit the upper deck, kind of all 
And so the main floor unit, believe this is all utilities included. I think it's uh, somewhere in the area of around $6,000 a month, seven, six, $7,000 a month. Basement apartment is $3,000 a month. And the upper deck, I think again, is around $7,000 a month. And that tends to be rented by companies who have executives that are coming in for periods of time. She rarely, she hasn't really had a vacancy since we did the project. And, and then she paid for the building cash. So that's been a 100% income stream. And we were able to literally cut her overall expenses for the property almost in half by the savings and all the utilities. And, 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 and she can control it from wherever she wants. You know, so that's the beauty. It's a very unique, it's really, I, it's, it's, I'm very proud of that project. It's a beautiful project, but I've done probably three other projects are all, I've been doing smart building restorations for 10 years. That's awesome. I believe so heavily way, way, yeah. way ahead in the industry 10 years ago. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was, it was, uh, it was, it was bleeding edge technology at the time. And, but now it's become standard, but you just got to always think about, what types of services you can offer, again, your tenants, your clients, I like to call them clients, so that you not only make them happy, but keep them, right, for long periods of time, right? And I, I never had problems with tenants, never had problems, even with my buildings that I redid with my clients. We vetted tenants properly, but if you give people a good product, they will come and they will pay the price. You know, they will pay a higher than standard rent if you give them something that's functional and useful. So, so Frank, you're, you're, you're like coaching and mentoring and like consulting on a lot of different, like, I guess you could call it like types of clients, right? Like you've got your institutional clients, you've got kind of the, yeah. you've got your own clients from the real estate um, agent business and things like that. So I'm just curious, like throughout your journey, you know, have you leveraged a lot of coaching and consulting and like, how did you grow was it a big part of your, your journey today? And like, really, like, what do you think people need help with from a coaching perspective? Like, what do you do? And just, I'd, I'd just like to learn a little bit about that. Cause it, yeah, I think it's a question yes. you know, Austin get a lot. Yeah. So I, I, I usually, my, I'm a problem solver. That's my business. Cause I've been through a lot of different things. I'm able to take situations listen to the circumstances and, and resolve the issues. But some of the deals or types of clients I get are, I recently had a lady that had uh, a husband who's in a, in, in a home now, and he had a few rental properties. So I, because I don't trade in real estate anymore. I, I'm, so what I do is I pre- help them prepare for a sale Uh, explain to them how to have a file completed from beginning to end so that when they do decide to sell it, there's a complete package and they're going to get highest and best price. I'm able to help them ascertain some improvements or some things that they should do to try and leverage a higher value. I have another one that's very similar to that where the lady's husband has just passed away and there's an estate of properties that, that need to be sold. But I also have, you know, I have clients that have a couple of big apartment buildings in Hamilton. They're new into the game, wealthy individuals. And so they have different issues, legal issues, or, you know, just common day scenarios that they call me for 15 minutes, 10 minutes at a time, half an hour. Yeah, it's basically, I'm a a troubleshooter, problem solver. And then if somebody is interested in doing something uniquely different, or they want some advice on the highest and best use, I'm able to go down and look at a property, give them a really good idea of what they could do. But my job is really now just consulting and trying to give people the best advice and direction. So I haven't really done any coaching to be something that I I kind of would be interested in, because it's nice to be able to share the wealth of experience that you have. You know, the thing about getting older is you've got all that knowledge and who better to share it with than individuals who really want to learn and uh, will grab hold onto that and succeed. That, that, that's a wonderful reward just to watch other people succeed. Mm-hmm. So, so going into like tying that, that consultation service with like back to the Burlington Boathouse, was, was that a consultation type of thing? So like you consulted from beginning to end that entire process and how involved were you as well? I was on hand. I was literally the builder. Okay. I was the guy. Yeah. If you look on the, 
if uh, so I have two Instagram sites, you can see a lot of the projects that I've done. So there's frank.taylor.consulting on Instagram is one of them. And then there's Frank Taylor Consulting on Instagram. And it shows you the different projects. And I'm, I'm hands on. So I'm the guy. I uh, two belt on and away we go. So I was project management, general contractor. So she hired me for a fee and, uh, and I spent uh, the better part of a year uh, doing the project from beginning to end. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So one thing, one exercise that we did want to go through as well is we like with to, to, to go through kind of our situation, you know, I guess my, you wanted to dig down in that situation just to get, yeah, I'd love that. We figured we'd pick your brain on a, on our uh, personal, I guess, question or doubt. This might be more theory based, but I'd love yeah. to just hear your opinion on it because it's something that, that that bothers me a little bit. Sure. So, so multifamily investing, anything greater than four units, as you as you all know, and just for our listeners, is valued based on the income based approach, right? So you're using your net income, and you're using a cap rate. Right. So, so right. there's two levers. One, you could argue is a net income, which is a significant lever, but the other lever is the cap rate. Right. And so cap rates have been going down like significantly over the last like five or 10 years as the rest uh, of the has gone up in value. Unrealistically like, though. Unrealistically. Yeah. Right. So, so this leads into my question. Cap, are, are cap rates driven by the interest rate? So are people willing to accept a lower cap rate in it as a result of the decreasing interest rate environment? Because that still means that they're able to cash flow in theory. And the reason that this is significant for, I guess, myself and Austin in our portfolio is ultimately we're trying to refinance our eight plexes based on the existing cap rate by increasing net income, right? But I'm thinking, you know, five years down the road, if cap rates go back up, are we actually going to be losing value on our multi on our multiplexes just based on the same equation, right? So we're trying to understand what is the correlation here between cap rates and interest rate? Is there a correlation and what could cause cap rates to go back up? Okay, uh, great question. Okay. <laughs> so, so there's, there's fundamental principles in the acquisition of an asset, which unfortunately in the last five to 10 years, a lot of it has gone, been thrown away. Uh, it's just, there's principles that we used, which was 5% for uh, maintenance, 5% for property management, 5% for vacancy. Sounds crazy, but it, it is a great factor, 15%, okay? And you literally take that 15% of the gross income and you, you, you take that off the gross income. You've got to look at what the long-term history has been of your rental units. So, you know, you want to know what the stabilized rent has been. You also have to factor in that, you know, in many times when you look at a property, if you've got a good tenant base, you're not necessarily going to institute the rental increase. So if you've got tenants that are constantly paying the rent and they don't cause you any issues, you'd be crazy to throw in a, you know, two or 3% increase. I know we're talking about a small community here, right? If you've got good people. So yes, interest rates obviously are a variable because interest rates obviously allow you to be able to purchase more, right? If the interest rate right now is say 2% and, and then the interest rate goes up to say 5%, your purchasing power, right, is obviously hindered. And your overall cost to operate the property is obviously affected by your interest rate, right? Because your, 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 your net operating income after all expenses, right, and that includes your mortgage and everything else, right, is affected by that interest rate. So you're in a great position right now because you just bought this asset, right? Is this yeah. an asset you recently purchased? Okay. Yeah, but do you have at, sorry, Frank. So the net operating income would be before the interest rate, right? Like interest rate would only impact your cash flow, while the NOI would be before like your mortgage payment is made, right? So I guess that's what throws us off because NOI will stay flat, like will stay perfectly the same regardless of what happens with your interest rate. Your cash flow will change. Did Frank? You're, 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 yeah. So again, what we're talking about is what type of rate of return, what, you, what your cap rate is, and then what of your, your, your rate of return is on the investment, right? And your net operating income. What, what do you have at the end of the day, right? So I had a principled factor that I, I personally, and I know the cap rates have been less, but I would never touch a property that has less than a 5% cap rate 
And your upside obviously is if you've got not knowing your building, not knowing your circumstances, is there upside on the rents in the building that you've got right now? Yeah. So, so I'll give you my scenario. We bought, we purchased it with a 30K NOI, which puts it at a six cap. Okay. And we're, this is out of, out of province, but we're aiming to lift the NOI to 45K and then refinance by holding the cap rate at six, right? So if we refinance at 45, then that pushes the value of, I don't remember the exact numbers now, but that pushes the value up by, we just calculated 250K in theory. So we're going to get back all of our money. Right. And then and what are you what are you going to do to increase that revenue? What are you doing? It's really just uh, rent increases and minor renovations. Like, OK, got to like fix up a little bit of things. So so once we refinance it, we pull out our money. That's great. But now we want to keep that asset for, you know, 5, 10, 15 years. Right. And so I'm looking at it as is the six cap really going to exist in 10 years or will interest rates go up, which then drives the cap rate that you need to be higher. So then the market cap, instead of being right now, it's at a six. 10 years down the road, could we potentially be back at a 10 cap, which means in theory, I'll lose value on my building if the cap rate goes up and NOI stays flat. If it, uh, interest rates increase, cap rates yeah. tend to increase, right? And and so, and, and it's all about the viability based on what the interest rate is against what your return is, right? It, it's always that variable. You got to look at the asset and what can I do? I, and I don't know the building, but w- I mean, you might want to do minor renovations or you may want to do major renovations. I will tell you that you look at your tenant base. You said this is out of province. So that takes a lot of guts to have a property. You don't, do you have family or anybody out there running it for you? Or you've just got a property manager that's running? Property manager and... Oh, your ball's out. So that's, <laughs> uh, you've got, you got lots of guts. I think that's great. I mean, I, I think I take my hat off to you. I don't think I have guts to do that because I, I tend to be, maybe it's just because I'm OCD and I like to kind of be a little bit more of a micromanager and on site. But if you got a good team in place, you got someone you can trust, look at the type of tenant profile you've got, figure out what kind of t- tenant profile you want. If you've got what you want, then sometimes I would do things like we used to survey our tenants and find out what types of things they would like. I had a client of mine that would do little things like buy them a gift card for their birthday, all kinds of just little tiny things and or offering high-speed internet where nobody else is offering it with, with a hub for smart technologies. There's all different ways and look at your, your utilities, look at ways that you can save like Getting, making sure all your lighting is is uh, LED and, and high efficient. You know, get your your HVAC system looked at and find out if there's ways to even make it more efficient as possible. And, and that way you're going to be padding your bottom line, which is going to obviously increase your overall viability and return on your investment. So I think, you know, that's that's wonderful that you've 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 been able to take that step to having everything under one roof. The goal is the more rental income you have under one roof, in the end, it becomes easier to manage, right? So, you know, the fact that, and you have a property too, Austin? Yeah, yeah. I have an eight plus uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is it out of province as well? No, no. Wow, fantastic. And how's the market in Sudbury? It's on fire, just like every other city in Ontario wow. now. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I got to tell you, if anything, I just, I, I'm blown away by how many, you know, that people have really stepped out and they're looking at markets out of province. They're looking at assets and, you know, and in the Northern communities, I think that's, that's wonderful. My area has always been that I, I like to stay within a certain region, focus on that area and and build within even though it may be more expensive you you have more of an ability to really be uh, have a pulse of what's happening like i'll I'll tell you i don't know if you ever heard of kenef in mississauga major builder condo developer apartment uh, rental landlord in mississauga kenef but i haven't heard of them yeah ship Shipbuilding Mississauga again. 
You've got many of the institutional purchasers, family-owned businesses, Green Rock Property Management, family-owned, green family. You know, they built their buildings and then they own them, but they stay, you know, within the uh, greater Toronto area. So I will say the majority of my clients are, uh, had their portfolios all within, you know, the city in which I take my hat off to anyone that uh, steps <laughs> out. I mean, I think that's great. I, I, I take my hat off to you. So, so bottom line, look at ways to increase your rental income. Make sure that you've got a tenant profile that you're looking for. If you've got a really good tenant, one of the landlords that I worked with that I really admire, he would always pick, and you've got, you got it too. Are you an A? tenant profile, B tenant profile, C tenant profile. What profile is your building? Is it an A, B, or C? I'd argue mine's like a B minus. Like so, so B like, minus? Okay. Yeah, low, like it's fully renovated, good property, decent tenants, but like it's one bedroom. So that automatically brings down kind of your tenant goal, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, so B minus C buildings are usually your best investments because they're your lifer tenants. They, the C, if you could get a C tenant profile, and uh, those are the tenants that you're going to have for 15, 20, 25 years. And, and this landlord specifically, he would, he would go to those tenants that had been there forever, always paid their rent, don't complain, and uh, ask them first for a referral on who they think they should have come into the building use those securities to basically say, look, I've got you on recording and got rid of the, the individuals that were doing things they shouldn't be doing in the building, cleaned them out. He was phenomenal. He used to, what he'd actually lipstick apartment buildings, if you can believe it, right? So he'd go in, do an exterior paint fresh so the outside of the buildings look great, would go in, do the interior hallway corridors, put security cameras everywhere, go to the units, didn't do any renovations in the units, but made sure that everything was fixed and then went to the tenants that had been there for a long time. And whenever he had a vacancy and he got out a, a bad tenant would ask them within their community who they would like to have in, rented to them to those and then turned around and sold the buildings for great profit, phenomenal profit. There's actual ways to actually turn bigger buildings around within a period of a year or two and, and actually turn money around that way and, and make good money. You also have to structure yourself financially because sometimes if you got a good accountant, what you should have, you should have one company, which is your real estate firm. And then you have, you know, numbered companies or whatever that are divisions of that for your assets. So that that way, when there is a gain, you're not necessarily getting hit with the full capital gain. It's going into the income stream of your main company, right? It doesn't take much to set up numbered companies. So, so, you know, if you're doing it individually in your name or in, if you've got one company and that you're selling it and then you get that gain, you're, you're getting hit with the tax. But if you can float it into a, a bigger company, you can save money on your taxes. You need a good tax account for real estate. If you're in the business, put together a team, right? Put together a lawyer that is a problem solver, not a problem maker, right? You got to get a great accountant, tax accountant that can set you up and structure you properly. Uh, make sure you got a good building, building uh, inspection team. And, and hopefully you'll be able to get a good contractor, whether it, you know, get the individuals, get your, your handyman guy who's great, and then you got your general contractor, you got your painters, electricians. I, I have a full team of individuals that I lean on and go to. And not only do I know they'll do a great job for me, but more importantly, when I give their name out, I know they're going to do a great job for my, my clients, right? So think about it as building a business within it with teams of people that are going to help you succeed. That's how you make money in the business. Yeah, we, we always say that building a strong power team, right? Like you hit hit the nail. Uh, what is what is that saying? Nail in the coffin, whatever. Nail in the head. Hit the nail in the head. Coffin. Yeah. 
That's so yeah, right? that's just so off. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, there you go. Power teams is essential to scale any business portfolio, and you're only as successful as your team members around you, right? So absolutely. Yeah, Frank, I, I think this was a great episode where you dropped a lot of wisdom for everyone talking about smart technologies, multifamilies, uh, different, really different things you've done over the, over the last couple of years and decades and things like that. Frank, at the end of our 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 episode, generally we like to ask our audience three rapid round questions. So, where are we going to be seeing you five years from now, Frank? Uh, you're going to still see me in this game. I think I'm going to do it to the day I die. Uh, I love uh, helping. Uh, I love helping people. And I love real estate. I love the game. And because this is a thinking man's game, I enjoy just stimulating. So I'll be in the business for a long time. So I'll be doing this. But the nice thing about it is that I can do it remotely. So I may be doing it from different parts of the world whenever that opportunity arises. The next question is, if you won $10 million and we're going to add a twist, you have seven days to spend it. Okay. Okay. And you cannot okay. spend it all on real estate. Yeah, you can invest some of it, but you got to yeah. use some of it on pleasure okay. as well. What would you do? Great question. Seven day rush. <laughs> I would immediately book a around the world vacation for each with me and each of my three kids. I believe in traveling. I have very, very lucky. I got three great kids and uh, they've been lucky enough to travel to many parts of this world. But I believe that everyone should have a chance to see really what this world is about. And it's probably one of the greatest educations that you could have. And then I do work with the homeless. And so if I, if I had an opportunity with money like that, I'd probably purchase a catering truck and set up a, I've thought about this many times if I had the opportunity, and then have a vehicle that I would uh, go around in uh, to different areas of where I know the homeless are located and give them a decent meal and uh, would make that a charitable organization. And, and then I, I would quickly buy some assets for my future grandchildren so that that way, when they're ready to go to university, they could go without the worry of having being encumbered by debt and can pursue whatever education that they would want to do. So that's, I think I would pretty well spend it quickly right then and there. Awesome. And a great question. Yeah. So if you could have dinner with anyone dead or alive, who would you choose and why? Yeah. Sanguru. Do you guys know who Sanguru is? No. Nope. <laughs> you don't. Oh, you got to check him out. Sanguru is a, he's the real deal. He is a wise man from India. And uh, if you don't know about him, you've got to uh, check him out, check out some of the the biggest views, but uh, he's an Indian wise man. And I always, I, I, I always, anytime I get a chance to listen to him, I not only feel my heart is warmed, but I feel like I've got advice from somebody that's greater than the world we know. He's, he's just got infinite wisdom so sanguru would definitely be that individual is that, sure. that saint guru s-a-i-n-t sand sand guru sand guru so c-a-s-a okay. let me j- just pull it here guru sand guru oh, okay, um, okay. He, he's got podcasts i'll just make sure that i get his spelling properly and then i've got people running in the room now who want to try and spell it all out for me but i want to make sure i get it right S-A-D-H-G-R-E-U. Sanguru. Check it out. You we will, you do. will think. And he, and he has podcasts think. as well. Podcasts, everything. It's uh, it's phenomenal. You'll thank awesome. me for it. Yeah, you'll yeah, thank know, me for it. That's very cool. We'll definitely look into that. Yeah, I feel like yeah. I'm just so into real estate. It's nice to get life perspective outside of yeah. your business. You're right. Like, it's yeah. more than just, to life than just business. There is wisdom, baby. Wisdom is uh, real. You know, it's everything. It's magic. I can't tell you how much I've loved doing the show with you guys. And you two were naturals, by the way. You're really, really good. I, I take my hat up to you. And I love being part of the whole format that you've put together uh, on Facebook. I, I take my hat off to you. We really appreciate it. And thank you so much for jumping on this podcast and also constantly engaging in the community and helping newer investors out there. Just want to wrap up with 
learning like having you end off talking a bit about your 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 different businesses right so you have a couple of services you have restoration consultation i think a legal side property management if people want to get in contact with you for any of those items how could they do so I appreciate it. So it's uh, my website is uh, franktaylorconsulting.ca. Give you a bit of a bit of a more detailed information. You can reach me by email at frank at franktaylorconsulting.ca, and or give me a call on my cell phone 905-971-7070. And if I'm not able to take the call, leave a message and I'll get back to you right away. But yeah, I'm here to help, and I've uh, really enjoyed this. I I'm take my hat off to you guys. I'm really impressed with what you've done. I hope I haven't bored you either. I hope I haven't just- No, no, no. This was super engaging. And there's <laughs> a lot of different things that we didn't know before, like smart buildings, the entire economic breakdown in episode one, and just hearing a journey from a successful investor starting so long ago. And then and the experience and wisdom, they, as you said, like wisdom is, is what matters the most. And just hearing your wisdom, definitely we, we've got a lot out of it. And I'm sure our audience has as well. Perfect. And if people want, is there any other platforms that people can, can reach out to you or connect? Uh, no, no. So <laughs> I'm, I'm here whenever you need me and haven't got there yet, but hopefully in time I will, but uh, I really uh, appreciate this opportunity. Awesome. Thanks so much, Frank. Uh, pleasure having you on. And if you all enjoyed this episode, which there shouldn't be any reason why you didn't, make sure to leave a five-star review on iTunes, Spotify, so on and so forth. Leave a comment. It helps bring great guests like Frank on the podcast. So five anyways, Frank, I'm sure, we're gonna, we're, I'm sure we're going to need you on a future episode as well, because uh, believe it or not, like your experience is so great, so vast, and we've only touched the top of the, the iceberg. There's a lot more we can dive down into. I'm here anytime you guys need me. Love it. Anytime. My pleasure. And invest smarter and live better.